it's good to see so many of you. Yesterday I was thinking, oh, isn't it lovely? I can preach tomorrow without having to go out into the cold and the horrible weather. And then I've just had to close the curtain because it's not such horrible weather. So, uh, but it's still good to be here and to be with so many people on this morning. So let's let's worship God. Let's just have a have a moment of silence and then I will start the service. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Let us pray. Loving God, the creator of the ends of the earth, we come together today, we come to worship you. We may not be together physically, but we are together in our love of you. We praise you for the wonder of our world, for all that you've made. We rejoice that out of chaos, you could bring order. It was an order that we still see throughout the universe. It reflects your sovereign purpose and your guiding hand. And so we bring you our praise and our worship today as we gather in joyful celebration. Loving God, as we stand near the beginning of a new year, we thank you for all that you've given us. It may be hard as we look at this year and think of last year, but we still want to thank you for the opportunities which we know are still ahead of us. And we thank you for the beauty we see in the world around us. For even at this time of so much uncertainty, we do have much to thank you for. Forgive us that sometimes we fail to count our blessings and to thank you for your so many gifts. Forgive us for the times we fail to make the most of the opportunities you've given us. Times when we even squandered our inheritance rather than wisely use the resources of the world you created. So assure us of your loving mercy and your continuing love. Teach us to accept all you give us with heartfelt gratitude, showing our thanks not just in words, but the way we live every day as we seek to share the wonder of life with those around us. And now let's bring our prayers together as we each say in the version that we feel most comfortable with, the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We come to our readings now. Some of you, I think it was Sirencester, might have been disappointed that you didn't get to see Roz today, that you got me instead, but you're going to hear Roz because she's going to read us our readings. First from 
the Gospel of Mark, and then from Acts. So the reading from Mark, right at the beginning of Mark's story. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching about repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth, Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. At once, the spirit sent him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and angels attended him. And then we move forward in time and we read about Paul who is now uh, traveling with Apollos but leaves Apollos in Corinth and goes to Ephesus from Acts. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Uh, about 12 men in all. May the Lord bless these readings from his word. Amen. Thank you, Ross. Let's look at those readings now. Now, a question. Where are you in the debate that's quite current on social media? It's on the correspondence pages of the Times, and I even heard it on Radio 4 this morning. Have you taken your decorations down or are you leaving them up for a while? Mine are down. They're boxed. They've even made their way all the way up to the loft. For me, Christmas is over and I think it's a time to move on. And our gospel reading today supports that view. Last week, Jesus was a small child, probably no longer in the manger, but still young, being sought by the Magi 
and then escaping with his family to Egypt. But this week, we turn to Mark's gospel and Jesus makes his first appearance as an adult, probably about 30 years old. Mark's is a, a short gospel. It was written very much to meet the needs of the early church who needed to know about the life of Jesus and all that happened. And that's what it tells us. But it is a gospel. It's the good news of Jesus. It isn't a biography. Mark picks out the episodes we need to know and he puts them together in a way that keeps people reading and allows them to discover the truth of his life. Looking at the lectionary, I noticed that this particular passage is being worked rather hard this year. If you can remember that far back, we met it first in Advent. I was preaching that day as well. And I preached about John the Baptist baptizing people, preaching the need to repent and to make room for God in their lives. That time we stopped at verse eight. Today, we've gone on a little further. I think actually Ros went on to the end of the passage. So you've actually had even more than you should have had today, but I've got no complaints about extra verses. But in the three extra verses from eight to 11, Mark sets the scene for Jesus's earthly ministry. Jesus comes to John, who baptizes him just as he has baptized so many. But this time is different. Others came up out of the water and just walked away. But as Jesus rose up from the water, the heavens were torn open and the spirit came upon him. And God's voice is heard acknowledging Jesus not just as his son, but as a son who is loved and who is well-pleasing to his father. We could have stopped reading there just before he goes out in the desert. The next few weeks, we will be looking at that ministry of Jesus over the next few weeks. But lovers of this reading will see that it comes back again at the start of Lent when this time we do read all the way and follow Jesus into the desert. I don't think I'm preaching that week, so I might have a week off from this reading. John was talking about the one who would come and who would baptise with the Holy Spirit. And here he is, acknowledged by God, ready to do just that to introduce people to the Holy Spirit. Interestingly, we don't actually read of Jesus baptizing anybody, not in the way that we think of baptism, but it's definitely through him and through a knowledge of him <clears throat> that people receive the Holy Spirit. In our final reading, Paul meets a group of early Christians who don't know about the Holy Spirit. I doubt if many Christians today would say that, but there are quite a few who think the Holy Spirit made its first appearance at Pentecost. How wrong they are. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, is there from the start. As we started our service with the words from Genesis, the Spirit of God is there. The Spirit of God speaks the words, let there be light. Throughout history, the Spirit is there though perhaps not always so obvious. Paul tells those he meets in Ephesus about Jesus, and as they believe in him, they receive the Holy Spirit. 
and what a difference it makes to them. I wonder how you would respond to the question Paul asked. What baptism did you receive? If I was asked, I would say I was baptised in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that as I grew to faith myself, I realised the importance of all three of those ways in which we can understand and come to know God. The Holy Spirit is with us too, with all of us who believe in Jesus. It made a difference to that small group in Ephesus. Can it make a difference to us too and to the way we live today? Let me take you back to where we started about what to do about your Christmas decorations and especially the lights. Those who are leaving them up see them as giving a little bit of light to help get them through this darkest of times. I hope it does. I don't know about you, I think I need something a little bit brighter than a few fairy lights. Almost every news broadcast I've heard about this week has talked about how dark the current times are, but then has talked about the light at the end of the tunnel. It reminded me of the days BC before children, when my children and I took several canal holidays and I was never too sure about the tunnels. If you've ever been canaling, you may sympathize with me. They're narrow, they're dark and they're wet. As you go in, you can't always see the other end. And the light is the headlight, which on a canal boat is pretty dim. From time to time, you pass under a ventilation shaft, which lets in air and usually a douche of water, which nearly always went down my neck. Finally, you could see the other end. At first, a dot of light, which gradually expanded. It was the light at the end of the tunnel, but it took a long time to get there. And to begin with, it was very, very dim. Even when the end was in view, I was still likely to want to have a torch with me to light our way. These days can feel very much like approaching the end of that tunnel. There is a vaccine. The other end is just about visible, but it does seem so far away. It's still cold. It's still dark. And sometimes we get unexpected showers of cold water just as we feel it a bit more optimistic. No doubt the fairy lights left over from Christmas can help them a bit. But to my mind, if we keep up the Christmas lights, we're almost keeping Jesus in the manger. We need to move on. We need to meet Jesus again as he's baptised, as the spirit descends, the spirit that was there when God brought light to the world, the spirit that descended on the disciples like fire, gave them the courage to speak out. The spirit that enabled the early church to grow and prosper. The Holy Spirit can bring light to our lives, a light that can give us the strength to go on and even the possibility of sharing that light with the others who are finding this final stretch through to the light and the end of the tunnel so very difficult. Amen.
we come to our prayers now. I've been asked to pray for John from Ashcroft. You may not have heard that John has died. So we pray for John and for June, his wife at this time. Wendy has asked us to pray for her. She has an eye appointment for the follow-up for her cataract this week. And we pray that uh, she will be listened to and see how things are going. And Trevor has asked us to pray for Sarah, his daughter-in-law, working in A&E and for all health workers. I'm sure there are, we all have our own people that we want to remember. So there will be slight pauses during the prayers when you can call to mind people that you want to pray for. So let's pray. Loving God, there are times when we find it hard to believe things can ever change for the better. We see people racked by mental or physical illness or scarred by bereavement, shattered through unemployment. Transforming God, may your light shine wherever there is darkness. And so in a moment of silence, we pray for all the people who are known to us, struggling under their own particular burdens. The people we've just been asked to pray for, our family, our friends, but also the countless people who aren't known to us, all struggling to keep going through this difficult year. Transforming God, may your light shine where there is darkness. We pray for our world. We pray for all people who are suffering injustice and longing for change, longing for an end to the pandemic, but seeing only hopelessness stretching before them. Touch their lives with hope, with healing, with wholeness. Transforming God, may your light shine where there is darkness. We pray for those in positions of responsibility, for the politicians of this and other countries trying to make the best decisions in the face of ever-changing challenges, for the scientists and the medical staff seeking to deliver both healthcare and vaccination to so many. Transforming God, may your light shine where there is darkness. And we pray for ourselves. Help us as we move further into this new year to see where you are already at work, to catch glimpses of your light, to share it with others. Reassure us that you are a God who can transform even the most hopeless of situations. Transforming God. May your light shine where there is darkness. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Shine on. Shine on, star of Bethlehem. Shine as on that night. Shine on. Shine on, star of Bethlehem. Teach us how to show your light. 
And now let's share the grace together wherever we are. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forever. Amen.